my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with a super special guest, uh, one that we've never had before, um, a 2014 graduate of our program, Anna Wagner. Hi, Anna. Hi, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. And I realized that I said one, a super special one that we've never had before. And then I just said your name and then, and people are like, what, what are you talking about? Why is it? Uh, well, the reason why this one is so special is because Anna is actually a professional athlete. She is a whitewater kayaker and we are going to talk all about her professional whitewater kayaking career and some of the things that she's doing with, um, with youth kayaking and starting a club um, for, for youth and, and, um, and all about that and her experiences over the last, uh, few years and what she's training for and all kinds of stuff. I'm super excited to hear about it. Um, but Anna, let's go back in time a little bit first so that the, uh, the listeners can, um, can relate to you a little bit. Let's talk about growing up. If you don't mind, where are you from originally? I am originally from, um, El Dorado Hills, California. I grew up, or sorry, I was born in San Jose, and then we moved to El Dorado Hills when I was in first grade. When you were in first grade. So your formative years were spilt in El Dorado Hills, huh? That's right. Right on. What what is El Dorado Hills like? I know know of it. I've heard of it, of course, but but I'm not real familiar. Is that like a, a... East Bay, South Bay town. What is what's the what's the deal? So El Dorado Hills is on Highway 50. It's in the greater Sacramento area. Oh, um, okay. It's on your way up to Tahoe. So we're like the last town um, before going up the hill to Tahoe. So we're oh. right next to Folsom um, and then just outside of Sacramento. Oh, okay. So you so you left the Bay Area for um, for the hills. You, you, you took to the hills. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. We took to the hills. My, we, my family has always loved skiing in the winters and whitewater rafting and kayaking in the summers. And so my parents wanted to move where we were spending the most time. Right on. Well, well, you know, I got a little bit of taste of that, you know, North Carolina boy here, but, um, but, uh, when, when I, I, I spent a, I spent a year in Jackson hole, and, um, and, 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 you know, Jack, I, I know you've been to Jackson and, and been on the snake river, I'm sure. And, um, and, and, and yeah, that, that's pretty much what everyone does. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's skiing and snowboarding in the winter and, uh, and whitewater in the summer. And, um, I had never been whitewater rafting and uh, until, um, Jackson hole. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I, I want to talk more about your growing up. So, um, what, what, what did your parents do when you were growing up? My mom was until we were in high school, or I guess, so we were all four years apart. I have an older sister and then an older brother. So my sister and I are eight years apart. My brother is four years older than me, who's also a Cal Poly alum. Right Um, on. I love that family connection. Yeah. Um, And so my mom started working at the high school um, when my brother was in high school. So she was a stay-at-home mom while we were growing up, um, mm-hmm. was super involved in the PTO and I cheered growing up. She was our cheer coach. Yeah. Um, and then she started working at high school. And then my dad, um, is, has been an engineer, um, for different companies and he now owns his own, um, firm. Okay. Like a consult engineering consulting like firm. A or consulting firm. Along those. Yeah. For bio, okay. bioceutical. 
meds. Oh, right on, right yeah. on. Well, we share that. My mom, uh, my mom was um, a stay-at-home mom as well growing up. So, uh, so that's cool. That's awesome. So, um, what were you like growing up? You said you're a cheerleader. That was kind of surprising to hear. Uh, but I, <laughs> I don't love it. normally give that away. Uh, right, of but course. I also cheered um, my first year at Cal Poly. Did you really? Oh wow! Yeah. So I grew up cheering. I was six when I started cheering uh-huh. and then I, I cheered through my freshman year of college. So I cheered for about like 13, 14 years. Oh, um, wow. And so growing up, I was a competitive cheerleader. We had a really strong program. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, was all consuming say. and exciting. Yeah. And all of my friends were cheerleaders and we we're all about it. We would uh-huh. dance around the house. We would make up different dances. And, um, <laughs> but I also swam and I did lacrosse and I was in the high school band too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have like one of my most embarrassing moments actually was at the homecoming game. Uh-huh. When I also don't normally share this, uh, but, not. <laughs> uh-uh. but I was in my cheer uniform, um, marching out for the varsity game. I was a JV cheerleader as a freshman. Uh-huh. Um, and we finished our last cheer and I didn't have time to change into the band uniform. And so somebody would always bring my French horn and yeah. then I would just like step right in line as they were marching out on the field. Yeah. And so it was homecoming. It was our rival game. And it was also maybe like Halloween or something. It was like a, the whole town was there. Right. Um, and the person that, that normally brings my French horn, brings my instrument forgot. Oh. And so I was like, I had this moment of like, okay, I'm off the hook. Like, I don't, I don't need to march today. This is great. Right. But then the, the band instructor was like, no, you're getting out there. The formation needs you. And you're just going to pretend you're going to airplay where I was in the form, in the formation for the, the March for like the star spangled banner and the fight song. I was dead center and dead front. So I was just like this random cheerleader <laughs> in the middle of the band. <laughs> Nobody knew. And in so, a cheerleading yeah. outfit doing <laughs> air right. horn. That That's right. Awesome. With my, yeah, with my air horn. <laughs> is it all? Yeah. You should have, I hope you have that on video. That would be a fun <laughs> thing to show your, you know, uh, uh, when you get a little older, you know, to be able to like break this out. Tell the story. Fortunately, it only lives on in legend. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is really awesome. Well, you know, that that uh that actually reminds me of a funny story. You know, I um I have some friends who are um who are really great bluegrass musicians and they formed a band back in like 1998 and they're actually one of the best bluegrass bands in the world, Steep Canyon Rangers, and um, and they they wow. play with they play with Steve Martin. Um, I'm you probably yeah, you probably heard of the comedian Steve Martin. Um, yeah. and um, and so they got me back. They they came to the pack and and slow, and they got me backstage passes. Me and a, a friend of mine, and um, and so we were backstage like hanging out with them while they were like getting dressed and you know having a beer or whatever. And um, and they were like, "Do you want to meet meet Steve?" And I was like, "Do I want to meet Steve Martin? Of course, you know." And and so we we go over and they're like they introduce me. My nickname was Coach with with these guys, you know, because that was my college nickname. And and so they're like, hey Steve, this is our buddy from North Carolina, Coach. And um and he was like, oh hey Coach, how do you know these guys? Do you, and uh, he, he was like, do you play music? And I was like, no, I'm just uh you know we're we're just buddies. I used to to sit around the 
the fire with them when they were first getting started. And, um, and, uh, but no, I don't, I don't play any instruments. I was like, you know, maybe air banjo. And I kind of like, it kind of pantomimed like <laughs> air banjo. Right. And, and he goes, Oh, wow. Air banjo. That would, that would, there wouldn't be a whole lot to that. And he sort of did the air banjo move. Right. Yeah, and I, and I just we had all just watched. There were like t- probably twenty people standing around. We had all just watched the entire show with him playing banjo, right? And I go, "Oh, wow! Do you play <laughs> air banjo?" Right? <laughs> and everyone just started cracking up. Like all twenty people, like started dying laughing. It's and totally. Steve Martin gave me a look like, no, nah, you don't funny the funny guy. Ooh. And he was like, okay. He's like, okay, coach, that's a wrap. We're on the bus. Everybody out. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't even get to hang out with my friends anymore. He was like, yeah, okay. This one guy, this guy's going to funny the funny guy. Totally, yeah. Not going to happen. All right. Yeah. Note to self. Don't yeah. funny the Note funny to guy. self. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I apologize if I've told that story on the podcast before. I don't think I have, though. You gave me a great opportunity to tell it. I appreciate that. So let's talk about let's talk about getting to Cal Poly. So uh, older older bro was was already at Cal Poly. Um, what, what was his what was his major? Yeah. So he majored in business. He was okay. a wrestler. Um, oh so no way. He, wrestled I think it took him it either took him a full five years or four and a quarter maybe okay I think we just overlapped for a quarter okay um, because we're four years apart so traditionally like when I started high school he was starting college right Um, and so we overlapped for a time and that was really that was a really special time Um, that was like the first we're far apart enough where we had growing up and he was a wrestler and he showed his love by, um, you know, rest, like practicing his moves. Yeah, on me. Of course, of course. <laughs> and so this was, yeah, Cal Poly was really special for us. Um, we like surfed together and he made me dinner for the first time and I got to go mm-hmm. to his, um, apartment and he did my laundry. And, um, oh, so I, yeah, cool. I found out about Cal Poly through him. Um, he was attracted to the wrestling program and surfing Um, and then I came and visited him and then met, um, one of his friends named Emily Buckle. She's now Emily Thalen. Um, but she was, um, an RPTA major. And so she was my connection to the major and, um, yeah. And so I got to shadow her one day and I was just like, oh my gosh, Emily Buckle is so cool. And this major is just all me. I love awesome. this. That is awesome. And so what what did um engineer dad uh say about did he was he supportive right away or did you have to kind of explain it to him and well so engineer dad um <laughs> is also the reason why we as a family have pursued whitewater and why we recreate outside as a family together and right. he was a raft guide in college um so he oh cool is from ohio both him and my mom are from ohio and he spent years on the golly in the new river out in west virginia oh, um right. and he yeah so he's a lover of recreation and um in the outdoor setting. And, um, yeah, right. they, it was, it was a way honestly to get into, um, 
San Luis Obispo and something that I was really excited about without necessarily knowing. Right. Um, Having a vision of like community is really important to me and Mm -hmm. whitewater is really important to me and people are really important to me. And I don't know exactly what I want to do yet, but I know that whatever I do, I'm going to love it. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm a people person. And so, right. Right. uh, Yeah. So my, my family has been um, very supportive. Awesome. So yeah. it, was, it was not a tough sell. So that's, no, good. that's good. That's good to hear. So let's talk about your time at Cal Poly. Um, uh, so uh, you followed in, in Big Brother's footsteps and, um, and and got here to Cal Poly and were a cheerleader. So a student athlete for the first uh, year or so. So that had to be a little bit of a, a transition. But um, let's talk about, um, uh, you know, those there's, I, I like to ask this question because I know there's, I know there's lots of different formative experiences that you have at a, at a play at any, at any college setting. And it seems like San Luis Obispo and Cal Poly is for most people is that, that special place where, where memories just abound and there's not one singular memory or anything like that. But, um, but, but is, you know, is there something that sticks out in your mind as, um, uh, as this experience that you'll never forget um, from, from your time at Cal Poly? Um, I cherish those memories so much. Um, San Luis Obispo in like, we'll take San Luis Obispo as the segment first where I've now been all around the world and everywhere that reminds me of San Luis Obispo is like, ah, this place is home. Yeah. And it's just got like all of my favorite places in the world remind me of slow. Right. Um, whether right. that's like the Columbia River Gorge where I am now um, right. reminds me of slow in its own way. And so right. um, the, I learned how to surf in San Luis Obispo and I started climbing more um, mm-hmm. there. And also it resembled like a, a family time as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then also in my major, I know that a lot of seniors don't like the senior project, but I think that my thesis statement has carried me through. Um, even eight years later, I'm still talking about how proud I am of my thesis and how, so I got to study under Marnie, under Dr. Uh Goldenberg, Uh and I helped her, um, categorize. I made quantitative, or sorry, I made qualitative data into quantitative data. So meaningful answers into numbers, um, all about wilderness therapy and what people take away from wilderness therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, our, my thesis title is an examination of the, of the benefits that adventure and wilderness therapy has on cancer fighters and survivors. So you can imagine as somebody who, already who prioritizes being outside and meaningful experiences with different populations in the outdoors, how, um, being able to find this data that backed like, wow, this is actually really meaningful. And this is more than just fun. This is life-changing. And this is really powerful stuff that is transferable throughout life, um, was really not only confidence inspiring, but, um, I was able to be like, okay, I can pursue this. Um, And even today we'll, we'll like circle back to this, but even today I'm like, oh my gosh, like full circle moments of um, what I'm starting to go back to school for now. It just all 
totally fits. Um, love it. Which is really cool. I love it. I love it. And you know, um, let's give a let's give a shout out to to uh, to Dr. G and 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 the the impact that she's made on um, on so many through through the research that she's done and um, and and the partnerships with with students that she's formed um, to to get them um, connected uh, to uh, to research and and to making that. Um, you know, making that connection, um, you know, all of the research that we do obviously has application in the real world. And, um, and that, that, like you said, that's just, that's just so meaningful. And, um, and to, to be talking about wilderness therapy and an impact impact on cancer patients, that's just, wow, that's just awesome. And, uh, kudos there. Um, so let's, um, let's talk about, um, your, let's talk first about your internship, if you don't mind, like yeah. going out of, going out of, of Cal Poly. And then, and then I want to get to obviously to your, your career as a, as a whitewater kayaker. Um, so what, what did you, um, our current students like to hear about, um, what you did with your internship, how you found it, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. so do you mind, do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, of course. Um, so I have, I started, um, whitewater pursuits and whitewater kayaking from a very young age. So it's always been, I think that water sports have always drawn me, whether that's surfing or rivers, um, has always been an important part of my life. And so I, when I was in college, I wanted to, and during that time I was like, okay, I want to graduate college and then pursue whitewater kayaking. And I want to see where I can go and where it can take me. And so I want to take this time for my internship to, um, step into that world and to start making those meaningful connections. And then also to see like, what in whitewater do I want to do? Um, you can be a white, you can be a rafting guide. You can be a kayaking guide. You can be a kayak instructor. There's so many different avenues of kayaking. And then also as an instructor, you can work with so many different populations. You can work with kids. You can be just like a kayak instructor for everybody, or you can also specialize in women groups, um, women's groups and like that kind of thing. And so I reached out at that time, there was only one um, women's kayaking um, guide organization or business. And at that point it was called Girls at Play. Mm -hmm. And now it's called Mind Body Paddle. Okay, um, yeah. And she is based, her name's Anna Levesque, and she's based out of North Carolina, um, out of Asheville in North Carolina. And so mm -hmm. I went out there for um, my internship and it was um, a really powerful experience. I got to go kayaking, uh, all I wanted. And then I also got to um, be a part of the industry in that way. And I learned a lot about myself, about do I want to work for a small organization? Do I want to work for a big organization? Um, do I want to work for a U.S.-based organization? And do I also want to have, do I want to make money in the same means where I find my passion? Right. Um, and then also, do I want to work abroad? Like, what is that? Um, it sounds really amazing in theory, but then the stresses of that and the logistics behind it and the language and all of those things were, um, it was really amazing practice and a really awesome experience. That sounds, that sounds really awesome. And, um, you know, we, 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 we talked uh, previously that I have a ton of really good friends and, um, in the Asheville area. And so, 
Um, when you when you said that, I want to I want to share with a couple of my friends because I, I wonder whether they um, know Mind Body Paddle and, and Anna. Um, so that'll that'll be interesting. But um, I love it. And so let's let's talk now about um, your your career in, in in whitewater kayaking and how that came to be. Obviously, you told us there about your passion and 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 um, the internship. And you know, uh, I, I'm going to share some some links. I'll, I'll share links with with our listeners. Um, or, or at least with our students, so they'll see it. And then on, on LinkedIn, when when we post the podcast, um, I'll share some links so that people can see. But Anna has really done some amazing stuff. And um, you know, when you're when you're talking earlier about cheerleading, and I know that com- obviously most people know that competitive cheerleading has now progress to the point where there's lots of stunts and um, throws and, you know, lots of different things. So I started wondering, I'm like, is that where maybe some of this like uh, um, uh, really um, high adventure, uh, high risk type stuff comes in? Because um, I've seen a couple of pictures of Anna um, dropping waterfalls on a kayak. And um, I'm just, I've talked to it about it with a couple of people and uh, we can't, understand how you could ever get to the point where you feel confident enough to do that. Um, so it's just mind boggling, uh, the stuff that you've done, but, um, so let's talk about how you got to that point. Right. I mean, um, I mean, were you, you, I, I assume you were not a professional kayaker when you graduated from Cal Poly that you have blossomed into that. So let's talk about that process. Like how did that come about? Yeah. Um, a lot of hard work. Um, it's funny that you do draw the parallels between kayaking and like acrobatics and extreme cheerleading. And it's definitely that same adrenaline that you Mm -hmm. get from performing or from doing, um, an intense tumbling pass that you're really nervous about, or the teamwork that it takes to accomplish a really intense collegiate level pyramid, um, is the same, it's the, it's the same thing as going on an, a, a, a really intense expedition out in the backcountry yeah. um, that requires a lot of teamwork, a hike in, intense portages where you're, you're um, walking around harrowing rapids um, that are, you're, you have to get not only yourself, but your loaded kayak full of your sleeping bag and your food and your um, thermarest or whatever up and over these boulders. And so that takes a lot of trust in your team and a lot of coordination, just like a, it's so cheesy to say, like, just like a coordinated dance for right. cheerleading, but it's, it really is very similar right. in, um, how you, you teamwork. And then also these, um, the waterfalls and the big rapids also induce the same flow state, um, as like performing or the same concentration that you have to have to do a standing backflip or whatever, where you wow. are, you've got to center yourself and, um, you want to be able to see the move before you make it. And it's all really calculated, um, with extreme consequences as well. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And, and I guess, um, I, I guess that that's one of the things that that people don't see is that 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 research that's done. Like you're you're not just jumping off a waterfall, not knowing what's down below. You know that you're able to to dive down. I, I would assume, right? Is that is that yeah, is that what exactly. you mean by some of the calculations? Yeah, totally. And in tall waterfalls, you want to be sure 
that the pool is deep enough. Yeah. Um, and so we, every waterfall that I've run, I've seen, um, with like in the middle of summer when it's a swimming pool or like when people go to just like swim there casually, you know, um, where I know how deep it is. I know, um, a part of running hard white water is the scouting process and you, you want to look for hazards and, um, you're confident in the line that you can nail in order to run it well. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I, I do remember that from my um from my little bit of whitewater rafting that, that I did. Um I, I was lucky enough that um I, I worked with a, a couple of whitewater guides and so we got to we got to go on like private trips, you know, and they always talked about that line. Like, you know, it's it's not it's the 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 danger is not knowing the line and getting and getting into a spot where you're you know, and, and so that, that was one of the things that inspired confidence with, with me is being with those people who know those lines, you know, and, um, exactly. Yeah. I, um, compare reading whitewater to reading a book or like learning a new language where you look at a book and if you don't know the language, it's just a whole bunch of different symbols. And, and some languages also read opposite to other languages Right. And so whitewater, you really learn how to read the river. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what the currents are doing. You know what um, the currents are doing next to rocks. You know how to read if water is going underneath the rock or piling like over the rock and what is more dangerous and what is okay. Uh-huh. Um, and you know how to, instead of like a conquering or like a fight or whatever, it's more like, a, it really is more like a dance. You're really learning how to work with the river to get from the right side of the river to the left side versus fighting against yeah. it in order to do what you want to do. Right. I, I, I love that, you know, because I was, I was talking to someone recently I have a friend here in town who's a huge surfer and um I, I'm not I'm not into surfing. I, you know, my my little my little penguin arms, I joke about how how I'm like, I don't even understand how they're able to paddle out, right? But um <laughs> but but I, I've been with him before where he's um where where he's talking surfing with people and I could just sit there and listen to it for hours because it is that like it's so analytical, him talking about the currents and the weather and the wind, how it all intermixes, and it's just it's fascinating to me, even though I don't do it. And so, um, what you, what you just explained, um, is, is really apropos when I think about it. And, and I love that analogy is it's a dance. It's not a fight. And, um, and that relates to a lot of the youth development, um, stuff that I do. And I I love that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about now about um, a little bit more about your career. Um, so what is what is one of the accomplishments that you're that you're most proud of or or um uh, or and and you know we haven't really talked about that progression either so oh, so right. how about how about taking us through the progression of getting to that accomplishment Yeah totally um so I oh that's a good question um I started practicing my Eskimo role uh-huh. in um our backyard growing up we had a pool oh, wow. um and so the eskimo roll is what you do if you flip over yep. um how you rewrite yourself so that you don't always have to swim out of your kayak because you're wearing so you're sitting inside of the kayak you've got a cockpit that you sit inside of yep. and so your legs are enclosed um and then you're wearing a spray skirt that attaches that seals you off 
so that um, for more advanced maneuvers, if you do flip over, it's no problem. You can rewrite yourself and keep on going, but right. you've got to know how to do that on a dime to where you're not even thinking about it. You just, it's a impulse or it's like a, just a gut reaction, a reflex. Right. Um, and so I started doing that uh-huh. when I was a young kid, when I was, I was probably honestly 10 when I started practicing, okay. it took me forever to learn how to roll because I was a small human in my dad's kayak and I had no clue that like your hips were supposed to touch anything Mm. or your back was supposed to touch anything or that foot pegs was a thing like your feet could push off of things I had no clue so I was like just kind of floundering in this like big person kayak right um where so the roll is kind of like a hip snap it's like a Shakira hip snap and then you want to keep your head up you bring uh, your head up last uh-huh. um, and so the intuition the intuition is to bring your head up first which yeah. is um why it takes so long often for people because that's not what we as humans want to do right and um, you know you're bringing up trauma for me right anna <laughs> no <laughs> yeah yeah, I told you I have a kayaking story. Oh, um, it's right uh, here. Yeah. So when I was when I was at NC State as the director of club sports, kayaking was was one of the clubs. Yeah. Right? And um, and so I actually um, decided that I wanted to get into kayaking. And so I bought one um because we also had you know I was, I was associated we had an outdoor adventures unit and all that and so i was able to get one for pretty cheap and you know i was in my 20s and i was like hey this would be a fun thing i, I like i told you I, I had liked whitewater rafting and so i thought it might be something that would be cool and and i get into and so the kayaking club had roll clinics yes that, that they did every week right yes. and so i get into I get into the skirt for the first time and I'm like, um, beside the pool and, um, they kind of like did what you just did. They, they talked about how you're supposed to do it. Right. And, and so I'm like, all right, cool. And so I like, I didn't even really know how to get into the pool with the kayak, you know, but (laughs) I, but I, I did. And the first thing that happened was I flipped over. Yeah. And I'm, you flip over and you have this thing around you. You have to know you. how to take the spray skirt off. That's, yeah. Well, they, yeah. well, they, they had taught me that, but yeah. you know, you went into panic mode. No, I went into panic mode and yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. get it. I was pulling on it and I couldn't get it. Right. And so yeah. I, I, I sat, I sat there for a second going, okay, surely someone's going to jump in and save me. Right. And then I realized um, there's no one, you know, cause I would have seen people jumping in. Right. Right. And so I started like flipping out, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so I somehow was able to maneuver and get my paddle to the side of the pool. Yeah. To like finally get back to over. Use pool. Yeah. To use the pool edge as a lever yeah. to like get yourself yeah. up. Exactly. And I did. And I like was like, <gasps> I, I like seriously <laughs> thought I was going to drown. And I like looked totally. up. I look up, Anna, and there is not a soul that has even seen me. (laughs) You can imagine being the director. Nobody even knew. Yeah, you can imagine being the director of club sports and knowing (laughs) and and knowing what you know as a professor and us teaching risk management and all that. Negligence is preventable. Yeah. Oh oh my goodness. I was just like, 
what are you guys doing? Like yes. the director of the program <laughs> just about died right, right under your noses. You and like, assign a student to keep your eyes on that director. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what are you doing for like just Joe Schmoes who come through here? Right. You know? Exactly. It's right. Like, oh my After goodness. Much. But I, I handled it relatively well, but I sold the kayak the next day. And <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so sorry, that's a bad story. Oh, you, you sorry can, that um... you, you continue with your great success story and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll sit over here with my failure kayaking story. <laughs> well, to make you feel better, I think yeah. all kayakers that have stuck with it yeah. have also stories just like yours, oh, right? I think yeah. everyone experiences the same thing of like panic. Uh-huh. Uh Oh, the role's not working. Oh gosh, what do I do? Like, it's, uh-huh. it's really scary. It's not yeah. um, intuitive to know how to rewrite yourself when you're upside down, holding yeah. your breath, yeah. your rights or your lefts and your lefts are your, your so good. Your brain is confused. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're trying to breathe and it's, Right. Panic inducing for sure. Right, 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 right. So you started out. So you started out as a little girl and doing the role. So you mastered the role eventually. And mastered. Yeah. Eventually mastered the role. Right. Um, I spent years on uh, class three. So rivers are rated from a class one to class five or class six. One is like a lazy river. Uh, Class two and class three. Class two is um, more for beginners. And then class three is normally, um, not there, not necessarily hazardous, but more mm-hmm. powerful than class twos. Mm-hmm. And so that'll give the beginners harder times, mm-hmm. um, to do well. And then class four is when there are, um, a lot more hazards. So not necessarily death hazards, but if you swim, it'll be a lot more, um, nerve wracking and scary and, and Mm -hmm. a lot more rocky potentially. And then class five is, um, very, very marginal room for error. You want to, you scout a class five before you run it. And you want to make sure that you see the pathway at the end and that, you know, you can nail your line. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, yeah, there are like, there are many hazards in class five. Um, and so I spent years, training slalom, which is on the Olympics. That's the, that's the kayaking that's on the Olympics where it's all technique focused and you're catching eddies and doing these dancing like maneuvers using different currents and really focusing on your strokes and your finesse and how to nail those class five style moves in class Mm -hmm. two whitewater. Mm. And so I, um, my progression from class three to class five was very quick because I had a lot of those skills. And then I also had the mindset, the adrenaline mindset of, I want more. And then the California whitewater season can be so unpredictable with, um, the, the years of droughts and the, um, and then the years of rainy rainfall and then the years of droughts. And then, so, um, so class four is really far few in between in California. And so, um, yeah. So as you, it, it takes years to go from class one to class five. Um, but yeah, soon enough after college, I started traveling to far off places in search of whitewater and was paddling year round uh-huh. and started getting recognized by companies and started doing 
um, extreme races and, um, and more, more and more difficult expeditions and overnight expeditions and multi-day over expeditions. And, um, and yeah, and now we're here. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So, so let's talk about two different things. Um, I, I'm really curious about like what you're training for in terms of like, um, uh, a race or like what's next. I mean, you said that the slalom kayaking is in the Olympics, but whitewater kayaking is, is not, or what you're, what you're doing now is not right. Correct. Yeah. Right. So slalom is in the Olympics and they are on most of the time they're on man-made channels with yeah. whitewater on them. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, the extreme races, the more like X game style is yeah. like what you can picture. Um, is not on the Olympics. Right. And that, and that's mainly what you're doing. So what are you, is there, is there a big one that you're training for or? or yeah. Like so, so, um, I'll say the big one I'm training for, and then, uh, a big thing that I did this past summer. Okay. Um, so the big one that I've been training for is next week. Um, November 6th is the green river narrows race. It's okay. in North Carolina, just outside of Asheville. Um, and it is the fastest times are five minutes around five minutes. And then, um, so it's a, a shorter race, um, for whitewater races. Oh, wow. Um, and there are the crux is, um, this pinch that gets about five feet wide and it's a 10 foot drop, um, into this like 20 foot, uh, waterfall that lands on rocks. And so you want to be upright and you want to be exactly where you want to be. And it's almost at the finish line of the race. There's that waterfall. And then there's uh, like three more steep slides and then the finish line. And so, um, it's called, it's coined the greatest show in sports for whitewater. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, That that sounds awesome. Well, you know, so this will, this will air on, um, this will air on um, December sixth, so we'll be a, we'll be a month past your big race. So um, you'll have to send me a link, and and maybe uh, they can see uh, oh, you know awesome. if there's um, if there's any any pictures of it. Um, so so let's talk about that greatest accomplishment now up up till now. Um, I imagine I'm picturing you know I told you Jackson Hole, and so I know that there's a market for for these extreme videos and, and sponsored athletes, right. Go all over the world, um, uh, doing these extreme, extreme, um, things, right. With skiing and snowboarding and all that. And I imagine there's that for kayaking too. Is that, is that one of the things like you're, you're traveling all over the world with like film crews and and that sort of thing. Is that what, is that right? I try my best to avoid film crews. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because they, uh, slow down the trip and you have to wait for the film crew Uh and it becomes more of a production, but exactly where the, the heart and soul of whitewater kayaking that I, um, pursue is that backcountry experience of, um, being out there for days, being in different corners of the world and just having your crew that you trust. Um, and so this last summer, Um, I just did the middle fork of the Kings river, which is in California. Um, Uh and it is a really respected run all around the world. If you find a kayaker and if you're like, Hey, have you heard of the middle fork of the Kings? Uh Everybody will be like, Oh yeah, I know the middle fork of the Kings. Uh 
And it is, so there is, it's a 13 mile hike in, you start just around, um, like Mount Whitney zone, um, and you hike over a 12,000 foot pass over Bishop's pass. Um, and then you hike down into the river Valley and, um, and you're, meanwhile, you're hiking with your boat on your back, um, full of your, um, your sleeping bag and your food for the next six days. And, Um, it's a heavy, I'm 130 pounds and, uh, I'm carrying a nine foot kayak, uh, with all, with my life jacket and my helmet and my spray skirt and my safety gear and food and camping gear and everything. So the weight adds up really quickly. Um, and then not to mention, so you finish this hike that you're like, am I going to make it through this hike? Mm-hmm. You finish the hike and then you have five days of the most difficult, continuous, dangerous, um, river that you've ever run. Right. And so you go from steep micro creaking. So you're, you're literally starting at the source of this river and then you're paddling into Bakersfield. So you're starting on the East side and, or you're starting on, yeah. And you're, and then you're, you're base, you're not floating, but you're going, you're floating into Bakersfield right. pretty much. So you start in the high Sierra and then you go to the, um, yeah. And so you experience everything from that shallow mank that right. is really difficult to maneuver. Even when you're, when you have all of your energy and you're in a weightless kayak, but you're not any of those. Um, and so you, you have a full kayak and you're, we just hiked 13 miles. <laughs> so it's like opposite of that. Right. Um, but, and, and then slowly, 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 um, you pass more and more tributaries and more and more waterfalls and you pick up more and more water and then you get more, more and more big rapids and more and more like big complex slides. Uh-huh. Um, and then the last day or the second to last day is called the bottom nine and friends have described the bottom nine it's nine miles of continuous class five rapid so not a pool in sight it's just class five rapid into class five rapid into class five rapid so you want to make sure you know how to stop and catch the eddy and then communicate because nine miles of class five you can't scout everything or else you'll be there for three days and at by that point you're ready to get home right a, a friend has described the bottom nine like um eating cheesecake through a fire hose. And if the fire hose, if you drop the fire hose, an alligator bites your arm off. Oh no. Um, So it's funny of a, it's like a good description of like the white water is so good, but it's also so dangerous. If you mess up, there's severe consequences. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. And there are all of the females that I know who have run the middle Kings are my friends. I could, I could tell you there are the amount of females that have done the middle Kings. I can count on a single hand. Right. Um, So it's a a well-respected and um, big achievement. That is, yeah, that's, that's just so awesome. And, um, but I, I can't help saying that like, I'm, I'm, I'm like the exact opposite of you on this. Like I, I, my heart is beating so fast just hearing you talk about this and, um, that I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, Oh geez. Um, but it's just, it's just such an amazing, amazing things that you're doing. Um, l- let's talk a little bit about that, the female empowerment element of it. Right. And the, 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 the idea of, um, of, 
of females doing extreme um, extreme sports obviously is a relatively new um, new thing because of what you just said you know you you know all of the females including yourself that that have done it right and so um, I know you've I know you've started this um, I know you've started this this club um, and this um, and trying to to, to get um, more people more and I assume more females in, involved. Can you talk about what that's been like and and um, and the process and how uh, you know obviously being an, an inspirational figure to other females I, I would imagine is is a pretty a pretty cool pretty cool thing to be. Can you talk about that for us for a little bit? Yeah, uh, this is definitely a relevant um, topic. Um, And it's a really complicated one because there have always been females um, in like embedded in um, not only the whitewater kayaking history, but in all of the history where these women just go um, unknown because they're not taught about. And so part of me, um, though the numbers of the women have always been less than the numbers of men that are in the sport. Mm-hmm. Part of me is, um, truly believes that it's like a media thing where if, mm-hmm. when you're in the sport, you then know who was a part of history at what point and who did what. Um, and also that there have always been these silent women that haven't cared about being known. They've just been out there mm-hmm. crushing it and getting right. their sport done. Um, and, um, and then also I do think that times are changing with social media and with, um, the availability of Instagram and all and Facebook and like all of the things though, as it's like a double-edged sword, we're as detrimental to our emotional well-being and health. Um, those can be of comparing yourself to other people and FOMO and like all of those things. I think it is really readily available to see who else is out there and who all is doing what. And that's a really empowering thing. And so it's a good, it's an effective way to see like, Oh, I'm though. I'm the only one in my town that whitewater kayaks that, and I'm a female, I'm not the only one out here. And actually there's a lot of other women that just aren't into the promotion um, who are crushing. And I have to go to New Zealand to meet them, or I have to go to, wherever to paddle with them, to learn from them or whatever. And I think that that's, um, a really good life lesson and it's true throughout life. Yeah, for Uh, sure. Yeah. But tell us, tell us about the, the club that you started or the, is it a camp or a club, a a club, right? A club that you started. Yeah, it's a club. We are officially a nonprofit. We're called Columbia Gorge Junior Kayak Club. Um, And we, this last summer, so this last summer was really the first summer of us being an official nonprofit. I've been paddling and hanging out with these local high schoolers for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, I all, I know them all through whitewater kayaking and they all are incredibly eager, good, really great kids. um, And they all have gear. They all had gear already. They just didn't have a mentor. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking them, my husband and I started taking them kayaking down rivers and then started helping them progress in a really safe way. And then of course they started hanging out at our house and, um, staying for dinner and then telling us 
what was going on in their life um, and the struggles that they were going through and the highlights that they were going through. And all, we start, really started to have relationship with these kids. Um, and then COVID happened and um, kayaking was still a great way for us to yeah. hang out with these kids and to see these kids because you're social distancing on the river in your own kayak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then one of the kids, one of the gals in particular just graduated from high school and didn't postponed going off to college. And so she was like, you know what, I'm going to see how far we can take this while COVID is going on and while things are still closed so that when we're ready to open up again, we can be a thing where other kids can come and we can truly be this impactful staple in our community that provides more access to everybody where the Columbia river gorge is really interesting in the demographics that live here, where there are the people that have moved here because the recreation is so accessible. Uh Um, but it's only accessible if you have the expendable income and the expendable time and all of those things where there's also a large, amount of like Hispanic migrant workers that live up here because there's orchards and vineyards and the whole family is working. And then you also mm-hmm. have the indigenous population that is incredibly um, like silenced up here and mm-hmm. or everywhere. And they don't have the same opportunity again that um, other people do. And so yeah. we have, our goal is to partner with local nonprofits that serve all youth in the gorge to create more access for all youth um, so that it's that so that the river it truly is accessible to everybody. Um, and so it. yeah, and it, and the thing that I am most proud of um, for the club is that it really it's like the trickle down effect where I started hanging out with these high schoolers being like, what do you guys need? I want I have you have access to what I can provide you. And then through that, they felt supported enough to be like, well, we have the time to actually make this official. What can we provide? And so it's truly a um, hope and hopefully maintains um, a a depiction of community. I I absolutely love it. And and I want to say also, um, uh, you know, my specialty area is uh, sports-based youth development. And so um, I uh, I'm um, uh, work with a, an organization called the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation that um, that ultimately is trying to to make sure that that sport is accessible for for, for all and is really um, really influential in terms of equity and, and and that sort of thing with sport. And so um, I can potentially connect you with some folks and would, would love to help in, in any way that I can along those lines. Cause that, that is, that is my area. And so even though kayaking is not my area, um, I'm passionate about that youth development through sport and um, wow, what, what a great sport to be able to do that. And, um, and I know some, some really awesome groups up in the Pacific Northwest that are doing some, some really kick-ass things that, that I could connect you with, um, as well. Um, that, that That would be, be, yeah, that would be cool. There, there's a few award-winning, um, groups, uh, that are pretty close by. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I also, what a beautiful area too. I, I, uh, you know, I'm a, I don't know if you know, I'm a fish head and fish is played at the gorge, um, up there, uh, near where you are that the gorge yeah, anybody who ever has anybody who's into live music um, near where Anna is is a, a amphitheater called the Gorge that is just 
insanely beautiful um and so uh oh, so, yeah, awesome. I've, been, I've been up there a couple times to to see live shows but um so l- let's talk a little bit about um you know what other doors whitewater kayaking has has opened for you and and what you see as as next in your life um and uh and what are your your goals and that sort of thing yeah so i um, have just started working at the White Salmon High School called Columbia High um, yeah. in the special ed department. I'm a paraeducator um, mm-hmm. currently, um, and I am in the throes of applications. I'm thinking about heading back to school for occupational therapy. Right. Um, and that kayaking fits so perfectly in there, as does um, adaptive recreation and wilderness therapy. Right. Um And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of my next steps right now is, um, going back to school and thinking about occupational therapy in the wilderness setting and, um, using kayaking as a means to, um, help. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, you alluded to it earlier and, um, and, uh, I was, I was waiting to hear, to hear that news and, um, and that's just great. And that work that you, that you did with Dr. G, um, obviously helps to, will help you along those lines and, and help inform you. And, um, yeah, I just, I just cannot say enough, um, enough kudos to you for, for everything that you're doing and, and uh, from from forming the club and 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 being involved there to you know the amazing pictures that I've seen of you like dropping these huge waterfalls and you know I know you were writer of the year I think like uh, recently was that last year or a year before I I was runner up for writer of the year oh okay yeah, okay you two years in a, in a row you for, were fi- you've been a finalist for writer of the year I guess that's yes. what I saw I just saw yeah. the heading writer of the year and there's all these crazy pictures. And, uh, so that is uh really, that is really awesome. Like, so, so if people want to follow your career, like where can they go to, where can they go to follow your career? Um, I am on Instagram. I'm, my okay. name is Anna Louise Wags on Instagram. Anna Louise. And Wags I post mostly kayaking related stuff there. So Yeah. I bet. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll make sure that we get some, um, I'll make sure that that's in the, when we, when we post, um, I just want to say best of luck, um, in, uh, a couple of weeks in North Carolina, um, crush it down there on the, on the new river. Is that what you said? The new river, the green river, green river, green river, your new river, right? Or yeah, yeah, Yeah. right. Wait, new river is is no, New York. River is in West Virginia. West Virginia, where my dad golly. used to rap guide the Golly yeah. and the New. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's a big. So many big, rivers. Big, there are so many rivers. Yeah, the what have we said? We said the Snake River. We said the Columbia River. We said yep. Kings. Yeah. New the the Golly is that the New River? Golly. Okay. The Golly and the New are just outside of Fayetteville in West Virginia. Right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, really, really enjoyed catching up with you. Really appreciate you taking the time and, um, and, uh, best of luck in, in a couple of weeks. And, uh, but, but when this podcast is, uh, is posted, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be all, all done with it, but, uh, but, uh, just, uh, want to say, uh, we'll be thinking about you and, and best of luck. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Thanks.